0: My name is Chad. I'm the pastor here at Bridgeway. Thank you, Eric. And if, if you've been around me long enough, you realize that when you meet my wife, I know what you're thinking because I've, I've, a lot of people tell me over the years, how did you get her? And I, I don't take it personally because I did. So we had been married about a year and she came home one day and she was really bothered. She, she had a job in the marketplace and I was in seminary and I was a bellman at the Mountain Brook Inn in Birmingham, Alabama. And I said, what's going on? And with, with my wife, you know, sometimes I have to get words of knowledge. I'll know something's going on, but then you've got to dig it out. And she said, there's this, there's this guy at work. And uh, it got my attention. I said, Do tell. And I felt this inner Liam Nelson thing coming on me. And she said, uh, he's been hitting on me. And I said, uh, okay. I said, what's his name? She tells me his name. And for three, four days, it might have been a couple of weeks, I was thinking through, I need to, there's got to be a confrontation. A lot of people think you just need to pray about everything. Sometimes you need to take a rock and go kill Goliath, honestly. So when, not literally, I didn't want to go kill the guy. Although, let me me tell the story. God didn't grace me with a frame that intimidates any man. But there's always been something about me. I've just always, I'm like that one-eyed pit bull with that crazy lazy eye that looks to the left. I'm not going to intimidate you. A lot of people, some people are bark, some people are bite. I don't have a bar because look at me, but the thing that God put in me, my first middle and last name, mean warrior, it's crazy, long story, but, um, there's a jealousy that came over me and I did have some anxiety about it. I'm not, I'm not six, five and go in and just beat somebody up, but in the spirit, I'm about six, nine, 2% body fat in the spirit (laughs) y'all laughing way too much. It's starting to make me angry. So, (laughs) Wendy was, she was selling copiers and she was out and about that day. And I went to a buddy of mine from seminary who I hadn't talked to, I don't think since then. I said, stay in the car in case this thing goes really south. So I went in there, I knew the guy's name. I found his door, walked in his office. He said, hey, can I help you? And this was the best, like, moment of my life. I shut the door behind me, and I said, yeah, you can. I said, my name is Chad Norris. I'm Wendy Norris's husband. The level of awkwardness went to a place that, in the movies, it's kind of cool when you get to watch it. When you're in it, I felt like I was standing outside my body. Because I'm thinking, what if this guy comes across the desk and just you know, punches me or something? And I remember thinking this, if something goes down, I will get the first and hardest shot in, I promise you. Because I had a jealousy. I'm I'm in covenant. And I had a conversation that I'm not going to share from stage. And it's probably the finest moment of my literal lifetime. And I think he was more scared than I was, which he didn't know that I actually was scared. But faith is not the opposite of fear. It's just moving through your fear. And when you're in covenant with someone, there at times should be jealousy come on you that's not bad jealousy if something is threatening that covenant. It's not normal for another man to flirt with my wife and me just stand there and say, oh, it's okay, no big deal. Father, I just pray for right now that you help this. No, the right thing to do in love is to go over and say, excuse me, everything okay? Because there is a certain type of jealousy in relationship that when it gets invoked, it actually finds its roots in Jehovah. Let's go to this passage before I show a short video. It's the passage in Exodus where he declares himself a jealous God. It's interesting because usually you think of the name, or not the name, but the word jealousy. And when you hear that word jealousy, you think, well, I wouldn't associate that with God. It is in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God did not want Saul to be Israel's king. He wanted to be their king. So you got a couple options here. Is he narcissistic? Is he a dictator? No, he's a lover. He's a lover. There's one thing I've noticed about the Father in my short time on planet Earth. He doesn't want anything between me and him. And a lot of people believe that they are walking in intimacy with God when they're not. To be friends with God has to look like something. And the number one metric to know where you are with God is not your words. It's actually your pocketbook. I haven't read a book on tithing. That's not why we're talking about that. This isn't a fundraising campaign. This is a series on idolatry. There are a lot of people giving the Father leftovers, spinning it as though it's okay, not knowing that the Father values what I do with his money because it's not mine, way more than I thought. Psalm 24.1, who can ascend the mountain of God? Them with clean hands, pure heart. God's taking this church bridgeway into a place in the Father's heart. You can't go with idols. And a lot of people are ascending the mountain of God using idols as sticks to help them climb. And once you get close to the summit, the Father says, I love you and you are righteous and you are clean. You can't come to the summit and stay here with those idols, so you might as well drop them. Let's watch this video and then we're going to talk about money for about 30 minutes.
1: Two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the promised land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac, faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son Came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first, I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest.
0: are you here? Even here, what is it we're looking for? This morning during worship, I just, from my inner man, I just said, I want all of you. And he immediately said, I want all of you. Brian, let's go to Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. What does the Father want from us? Because I believe that personally the conversation on covenant is misunderstood. A lot of people say yes to Jesus so they can escape an e- eternal damnation, not knowing that the cross is an invitation actually into covenant with the Father. You see, Jesus is a bridge into the Father. I just want to be real. I got 20 minutes. I don't know, try to sound. I'm not really a preacher. I'm just going to to say it. If he doesn't have my first in everything, I need to question everything. You know, usually I've learned in leadership the loudest person in the room is typically the weakest. You can be loud at an altar. I can be loud. I can even be loud on stage. The Father looks at those hidden places. There's actually a metric in my life that I can see what it is that I value. Jesus Christ talked about money a lot. Like, forget a bunch of books on giving and finances. Just go read Jesus. He is talking about it a lot. And what I've noticed is there's a principle in the Old Testament that even in the New Covenant principles still apply. Idolatry is not just an Old Testament concept. It's a a New Covenant concept. To try to go into certain places in the Father's heart with a bag full of idols, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Before I go to this, I want to tell a story. It was a couple of years ago. I was on an elliptical machine. I wasn't exercising. I was just standing on it, and I was talking to God. And he said, Chad, I don't have your first fruits. And I called Brian Woodard, and I said, God just told me something, I want to process it with you. If you looked at my taxes, at the end of the year, we gave more than 10%, but yet God told me he didn't have my first fruits. I didn't understand what he was saying. It's not just about money you give. It's a heart posture and the place of importance. I I, I want to show you something in this Exodus passage. Again, think principles here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. My wife and I renewed our vows about eight weeks ago after 22 years of marriage coming up here this month I bought her a really nice ring and it's a pretty cool story how it happened the Holy Spirit led us to it and found a jewelry store in Hilton Head and my wife is not the type of person to misplace stuff like that In 22 years she's never misplaced her wedding ring it's just not the way she's wired last week she comes inside and she goes please tell me that you've got my ring and I said And it was really late. We went to see the Avengers movie. Has anyone not seen Avengers? Denzel dies in the end. It's fine. fine. (laughs) He's not in the movie. Don't send me your emails. If you hadn't seen it by now, you're skating on thin ice. Somebody's going to say something. And I said, No, babe, I don't have it. It's 1.30 in the morning. She doesn't sleep all night. And she's in panic mode. And. The father told me that night, he said, you'll find the ring, but it won't be tonight. I thought, how bizarre. I said, okay. And so Wendy, the next morning, she gets up. She sits down with the father. And my wife, she gets stirred up. Her nickname in college was the windstorm. And she was a windstorm. And it was like, dear God in heaven, I beg of thee that you make this ring appear. Or it's going to be a long lifetime on this earth. And Wendy sat down with the Holy Spirit and she said, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit said to her, seek first the kingdom of God. Put Matthew 6.33 up here. Why is it not seek the kingdom? Seek what the kingdom? First. Why does the Holy Spirit slide in that word in that passage? You can be going after the kingdom and it not be first in your life. You can be casually acquainted with Jesus and him not be first. You want to know why I've been having success in the past six months with fitness? He told me one day in my left ear, you shall have no other gods before me. And I'm like, what in the world? Is it that big a deal, Father? That's what I'm thinking in my mind. There are a lot of things that are big deals to him that we don't think. In this message of perverted grace, we have gotten so casual with God. He's our casual Jesus. Man, there's principles. There's, there are principles. This, this uh, Cain and Abel story, I have looked at it for a couple of years on and off. I want, to, I want to go into it, Genesis 4, 1 through 12. And I want, to, I want to look at some things. Before we go there, Brian, can we go to the Hebrews 11.4? So this is New Covenant, Hebrews 11.4. And this is what Hebrews says about it. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Okay, so this is New Covenant looking back years before. Two offerings are brought to God. He only accepts one. He doesn't accept the other. If you'll listen to me on this. You can get revelation in the next three minutes that will literally change your life. Micah Usri, a son, who's a pastor on staff right here, got a word today that so many people carry anxiety. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So many people carry anxiety because they're not all in on first fruits, and if they go all in on first fruits, everything else would fall into place. There, there is a principle that even predates the law. Listen to me now. Pre-law that has been in God from the very beginning and it's it's on the first. Not just with money, with a lot of stuff. My family, for about three or four months now, we get up we have family devotions first thing in the morning. It's interesting the order that happens in the home. Not by doing it at noon, doing it when I first wake up. It's really, really interesting. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. I find it interesting we're starting James tonight. My words mean very little if my life doesn't back up what I'm speaking. And the metric to know where you are in things, I'm going to say it, money. Jesus talks about it all the time. So let's go to Genesis 4. Here it is. Adam knew Eve. They conceived. Here come the babies. And gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Next verse. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. I find that very interesting, by the way. Number one metaphor in all of the Bible for God is shepherd. While Cain cultivated the ground, here's where it gets dicey. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Had a conversation with friends of mine who have just moved from South Africa. They're right here. You guys raise your hand. Y'all see them tonight. Gene and Tisa lived in South Africa 14 years-ish. And they gave away everything recently. Their entire lives are in five suitcases. They do not know where is next. These are people that the word some doesn't match. They haven't given God some. They've given God all. Notice the word that describes Cain. Everybody say some. I think most of God's kids... He's making me say this. He always makes me say hard stuff. Some, I think many of God's kids, they think they're giving all and they're giving some. And in this perverted grace age, it's as though that's no big deal because it's all covered. Oh, it's a way bigger deal than you think. There is nothing worse than having a paradigm of God that's nothing more than fanciful thinking. It's like a fictitional God when in His reality... It's all his anyway, and not just with your money, but with everything. His expectations inside the context of covenant is that he not have some, but to have all. So keep an eye on that word. Some is with Cain. Now watch this. I actually go back, leave it at verse 3. You, know, you see that word, Lord? That word is owner. I give you great revelation. He's already the owner of everything you have. Psalm 24, 1, everything in the world is the Lord's owner and everything in it. See, we don't. I was having a conversation this morning. We don't give a tithe or 10%. We bring it because I can't give something that doesn't belong to me. I'm bringing what already belongs to Him. Slight tweak in your thinking. You say, man, my possessions are growing. Whose possessions? Whose are they? I'm so sorry. I think I misunderstood you. You used the word my. You came into the world butt naked. You didn't bring anything with you. You ever seen a baby born in a tuxedo? Imagine a child coming out with a nice sport jacket on and some shoes. Nope, you come in with nothing. You know what you're leaving with? Nothing. N-U-T-H-I-N. Nothing. And so you're going to act like you own something while you're here. What are we doing? It's a joy to bring to him the first fruits of my finances into the storehouse here and so if you say, well, it's not that big a deal to me. There's different levels on the mountain of God, guys. There's different levels on the mountain of God. That really infuriates people. All right, here we go. Here's Abel. Now watch this. Verse 4. Abel also brought a gift, the best. Everybody say best. best. Of the firstborn. So there's that word again. Matthew six 33. First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is first here. It's first in Exodus 20. There's something about the first because it's evidence of where you are in covenant with the stronger party. I believe with all my heart when you bring him as first into the storehouse, the other 90% is supernaturally blessed. And when I put faith on that, watch what happens to your life. I'm serious. There are many in here I'm looking at right now. You've told me your stories over the years. There's been a few stories around here where people just really struggle with the concept, decided to go all in on finances, and then wouldn't you know it, just amazing things begin to happen. You see, it's not just the money and it's not the amount of money. It's the fact that before I give a cent, a dime, principally now, principally driven, to mortgage or to anything else, I'm going to him and saying, I'm giving you my first and I trust you for the rest. It's all yours anyway. Talking about it and doing it are two different things. It's not a fundraising campaign. It's an obedience issue. There's only one marker of friendship with God, obedience. My words mean very little. To obey is way better than sacrifice. And there is a first principle. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, Sam was born shortly thereafter. I didn't read a book on this. I, I didn't study it. I went to a cessationist seminary anyway. It's not like I'm going to study some of this stuff when I was in seminary. I had a compulsion from the Holy Spirit to give Sam to the Father. And I don't mean the, the religious prayer... You know, i give my child to you. I mean, like, no. Me and Wendy were in total agreement. It was from the Holy Spirit. We give you our son. He is yours. My dad said the other day, he said, my dad has nine grandkids, him and my mom. And he said, Chad, there is a, there's something that flows off of Sam into the other eight grandkids. I said, dad, you have no idea how prophetic that is. When you give God your first, things fall in order. I'm going to make you a promise. In this world, you will have turbulence. Wouldn't you rather go through life in order, in turbulence, instead of out of order? Imagine you saying there's no, there's no big deal with the solar system. Who really cares? There are structure and principles that were set in place before humans even got here. And when I'm not giving him my first, it is amazing what, what happens. Even with the shalom I carry. If you, if you want to be good, really good friends with God, but you don't really even think it's that big of a deal of the finances, he doesn't see things that way. He, he, he is such a, how did I write it down? He is so committed to first that it's, it's un, unbending. Uh, let's keep reading this Cain and Abel story, and then I want to show you something out of Jude, believe it or not, that goes back to the story. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Remember in the New Covenant when Paul says many of you are sick and even die because you do not observe uh, the way you're supposed to? Uh, Communion? This is Paul, New Covenant, in your word. If you study that, there are principles in Scripture to, to come to to give the Father money at an altar and to carry unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards your brother and not deal with that. You're wasting your time. You to, to tip to tip the king of the universe, to show up every once in a while and just to tip him, you'd be better off not tipping him. Don't do that. Like go go all in. Imagine going to Hall's Chop House, downtown Greenville, and them serving you. Rotted food is leftovers five days later. You would be like, why in the world would you do this? A lot of God's kids are tipping the king from time to time. It's a casual Christianity. We've become so casual with God. I personally, he continues to tell me this. It is the most, the perverted grace message is the most dangerous message that has ever entered the church. Ever. Because it makes God casual. He's a sovereign king. I've had encounters with heaven. He's not my homeboy. He's too much. Look look at this. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crashing at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it, be its master. This terrifies me coming up here. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, you know what happens, he goes out and he kills Abel. Verse 9. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, think about this, they're out of the garden And apparently, there's still intimacy with God and mankind. God asked him a question, and Cain's response is so casual. It is a warning to the American church. It is a warning. Cain's like, he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? Oh, God. I pray I never, I, I even say this to you, Father. I'm asking you to never allow me to become so casual with you that it's that. That is repulsive. That's gross. There's something in Abel that needs to bring the Father his best. And you say, why? Because when you're in covenant with someone, it's about relationship. That's about relationship. I do agree. And Heidi was here recently. Love has to look like something. It has to look like something in my finances. It has to. Dave Ramsey declared bankruptcy. God used Dave's brokenness sleeping on a mattress in an apartment. He used his brokenness to rebuild him, And now Dave is passionate about helping the world with their finances. God has exploded that ministry. You know, when people like Dave Ramsey talk about money, people listen. And when preachers talk about it, it's like, oh, he must be trying to raise money for something. Raise money for something. This is an obedience issue. At Bridgeway, we help people walk in friendship with God. If he doesn't have my finances, he does not have me. We may be okay with casual relationships. In the earthly realm, he's the sovereign king. He's not okay with it in any way. we become so casual that we will, we will participate in gossip and slander or sin or just stuff that used to be seen as just you would never even think about going near it. But this, this age of this perverted grace message, we're all covered, brother. We're all fine. No, we may not all be fine. I, I want to read Psalm 24. I want to read something because when you, the closer you get... To the summit, things change. Um, let me go to this right here. Okay, the earth is the Lord's, the owner, and everything in it, the world and all who live on it, live in it. For He founded it on the on the seas, and he established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god the the principle here is this when you go in with your first fruits and you, you, you hand him what already belongs to him trusting him for the other 90% it's evidence of your trust in God I don't know the other 11 disciples could have walked on the water with Simon Peter Simon was not more anointed than the other 11 Simon chose to the other 11 did not choose to Greg Ellie was in the first service this morning God has exploded his business when he's gone all in with God on finances. I'm also noticing a principle, and I'm learning this from Tennyson and Janelle. Since they've implemented Sabbath, a 24-hour period of focusing on the Lord and resting, it's interesting what's happened on the other side of that principle. See, principles are principles. And you say, well, I don't believe in the principle. It doesn't matter. He's a sovereign king that runs a theocracy. You're not going to vote him out in two years. His principle, you see, abiding has to look like something. If you, what if you thought it was sin not to have a Sabbath once a week? It is. We're so casual with money. and so ca- We're casual. We, the fear of the Lord is returning to the church. Gene, did you give that word to John Flowers? Was that you that gave that word? Carol Arnott stood on stage at Bethel two years ago, and she shook her entire sermon. Go look it up. She shook and she said, the fear of the Lord's returning of the church. We've become so casual. And, and, and this thing with finances, I, I just, I borderline have a phobia of God having some of me. That makes me sick. This is in line of the lukewarm type stuff. So I'm at the altar this morning saying, search me and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me because I, I just, I can't do, I, I can't do the some thing. I'd rather get out of ministry Live in a box somewhere, like I, the thought of the thought of you not having all of me i don 't like that in any way. When Wendy and I first started dating, we were in the stage where we were trying to figure out if we were going to be a couple and there was another guy that showed interest in him, and actually, what happened is when I found that out it it woke something up in me, and it actually woke up a jealousy in me. the church, you already have a jealous father, and he 's now awakening a jealousy in the church itself. Think about it. What if consecration was a goal in your life? There are people in this room, If I ask you to write down the definition of consecration. You're not really sure what it means. Go search it out. Consecrate your life, your time, your calendar, your finances. Can we go to Malachi chapter 3? Malachi chapter 3. There's a strong presence of God right here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Isn't that interesting? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. I love that. The owner Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Maybe instead of going for the next conference to get that hit, why don't you go all in with your finances and watch heaven hit your life? A lot of this stuff is rubbish. A lot of the stuff is rubbish about going from an encounter to an encounter. Why do you want to have an encounter when you're not all in in other areas of your life? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's just, when you start looking at the fact that he, he wants the first, it wakes you up. Oh, I do have to go back to this one passage before I end. i got about a couple of minutes here. Go, uh, Brian, can we go to Exodus 13, 1 through 2? I don't think I mentioned it. If I did, I'm going to say it again. Then, then the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Just because you don't understand a principle doesn't make it true. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask us all to stand up. And I'm just going to speak a blessing over us. I'm going to have our prayer servants come down forward. And I'm going to pray you get revelation on this. As it relates to your finances. Let the principle show off in your life. Even if you don't understand it yet. There's a couple. I'm not going to use their. their. Uh, Winnie must have a word. You can come up babe. I'm not going to say their names. But they wrestled through this last year. And they didn't understand the principle. They went in. All in with their finances. Bringing them into this house. The place they call home. And, and after they stepped into it. Even though they didn't understand the principle, God exploded on their finances even though they didn't have revelation on it. They got revelation as they walked. You got something? Yeah, I love that you mentioned that it's about trust. It really just boils down to, do I trust him? Do I trust you, Lord? And he wants to help you. He wants to help us with that. He's a good father. He wants to help us be able to even take those practical steps of trusting. So please come and receive prayer. Uh, We'll pray about anything, but if that's specifically something that you want prayer for, please come forward. It would be our honor to pray for you. Also, as it relates to tonight, um, again, 630 here in the room, but if you'd like to be a part of the fellowship time, it does look like it's supposed to rain, so we don't want the rain to to hinder our ability to spend time together. We're going to open up Auditorium C, so just bring all of your things in there, and we'll provide the space for you to gather around the table, okay? Sound good? All right, so Father, thank you so much for what you've done in us, through us, for us today. Continue, Holy Spirit, to counsel us in every way of Jesus, amen.